see his initial call where God said, Abram, leave your home, leave your family, leave it all behind, and go to a land that I will show you. And Abram obeys that call, and by faith he goes. Uh, Abram is the father of faith, and he's a great example to us. So the question we want to ask ourselves as we're reading through Genesis and reading about the life of Abraham is, is how can I have a believing, a sustaining, a, a big faith in God as I respond to his calling on my life? And how do I move forward in that calling? And how do I not stagnate in that calling? And how do I continually trust God on a daily basis with everything I am and everything I do. It's a tough question. It's a big calling, but it's so worth it. Uh, Before we get into Genesis, I'd love to set the stage uh, for what we'll be discussing today by reading from Ephesians 4. Uh, You don't have to turn there unless you want to. It's up on the screen. And it says this. In Ephesians 4, Paul is talking to the church about unity in the body. And in order for unity to work, everyone has to work together using their individual gifts, living out their own callings. It says this, Ephesians 4 verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Paul is saying to walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Every believer Every Christian here this morning has been called into the life of Christ and into the mission of Christ. And it's a call that's been woven into the very fabric of our being. It's a good call, a call for our deepest joy and for God's glory. But yet some of us have a hesitation with saying yes to Christ's call in our life because we don't fully understand what it means for our lives. Does Jesus radically want to change everything I've ever known? Does he want to take away my stuff? Does he want me to stop having fun? Is he going to dictate the things I do and the things I don't do? Is he going to send me far away as a missionary? Kind of like my family. Kind of like Roseburg. Is he going to to send me off? Is he going to make me talk to people that I don't really want to talk to? God's call in our life is for good. And to suppress it or run from it or avoid it in any way would be to sacrifice the most amount of joy we can experience in this life. My friends, if Christ has saved you, he has called you into a life of deeper purpose, deeper meaning, a life with Christ. I remember when I first heard um, that call on my own life. I got saved when I was um, young, uh, 11, around 11, and uh, I, I went to church and I started doing all the right things, right? But it wasn't until later on in high school when I really heard God's call in my life. And I'm not talking about a call into ministry. I'm not talking about a call to Bible school. I'm not talking about a call to be a pastor, nothing like that. Just as a Christian, God was saying, Ricky, I've got a great plan for your life and I want you to trust me. I want you to follow me. I want you to serve me. And for a while, several years, I, I, I pushed that call away. And I resisted that call because I, again, I was, it was my senior year in high school and then on after high school. And I wanted to do what Ricky wanted to do. And, and I, 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 I didn't want, I was a Christian, but I didn't want to follow God quite like that yet, right? Over, over the edge, right? I wasn't ready to jump all the way in, in my faith. Uh, so I, I, was, I, I, was, I was growing in Christ, but I just wasn't ready to commit myself for some of the reasons I, I mentioned before. And, and I heard God's call. I, I journaled about it. I knew God wanted to use me in some capacity. And I, I wrote it down. 
And, um, and, and I, I always heard that call of God in the back of my mind, and I pushed it away, and I avoided it until one day after high school, um, after I graduated, excuse me, um, I, I, I was confronted by one of the elders in my church who knew me well. But nonetheless, I was a little bit intimidated by this guy and his big, booming voice, kind of like the thunder last night. And he said, Ricky, God, you, you know God wants to use you, right? And, and at this point in my life, I was, again, I was rebellious. I was kind of running from God. I was in sin and all kinds of things, but I still had that call in the back of my mind. And he goes, you know God wants to use you, right? You need to quit messing around and being a knucklehead and get on with it. And, and for whatever reason, that was the tipping point for me that snapped me in, into, into focus and, and got me thinking more about God and his call. And, and that's not to say like, oh yeah, never since I've not sinned once again. That's not to say that, but it, it's to say that that's the point where I, I decided to take that step of faith with God and, and to follow his call in my life. And, and it's been cool ever since. Ups and downs for sure, but, but it's been so worth the journey that God has, has been doing in my life. So I avoided his call for, for some time until finally I, I just said, all right, God, use me. I'm broken, but use me. So a better alternative than running from or avoiding God's call would be to embrace it and humbly submit to it. I know it's risky and sometimes even hard, but again, you'll never, as a Christian, you'll never experience a greater joy in life than to follow Christ with everything you've got. We as Christians will never experience a greater joy in life. That's the truth. I mean, we, tr- we chase happiness, we, we chase what we perceive to be joy, but we'll never experience a greater joy than completely, wholeheartedly submitting to Christ's plan for our lives. When we do take that step of faith and move forward in our calling, Paul tells us to live a life worthy of that calling. He qualifies it like this, just a little bit later in Ephesians. He says that we must be humble, we must be gentle, we must be patient, bearing one another in love, peaceful, Some of us this morning have not quite embraced the call in our life quite like that, with the kind of worthiness Paul exhorts. Like, it's amazing that we're even out of bed in here, right? But don't make me do stuff. I'm not ready for that kind of commitment yet. Nevertheless, I I believe as we walk with God, we, we, we shouldn't, I won't say we never plateau, but we shouldn't get to a place where we put it into autopilot. You know what I'm saying? We shouldn't get it to a place where we can push pause on our call and say, I've done enough, Lord. Uh, we never get to get to a place where we um, just retire from being in the will of God. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. And, and, and God expects that we go further in and further up in our call. So I hope today that as we read about the life of Abraham rather Abram still, and, and that is we uh, to get to observe him, we're nudged to follow Jesus just a little bit closer. Maybe for some of us it's a lot a bit closer, right? But I hope as we read today, we're nudged just to follow, to follow Jesus a little closer and to move forward in our calling. So as we continue in the life of Abraham, I want us to see that like us, Abram was called, and like us, Abram messed up that calling. But I also want to see through his example how to move forward in our calling of faith and worthiness. See, Abraham is called the father of faith for a reason, not because he was perfect, but because he listened to God more often than he didn't. Does that make sense? He's he's such a big example to us as we read scripture, and it's not because he lived a perfect life, because what I love about the Bible is it it shows the honesty of humanity and our brokenness and, and ugliness. And and so he's an example to us and and, and he's called the father of faith and, and and it's not because he's perfect. 
but it's because he listened to God more often than he didn't listen to God. And I hope that would be true with us today. He sinned, he repented. He moved backwards at times, or as we're going to see last, as we saw last week, down into Egypt, down into sin. He moved forward. You know, like taking two steps back and taking a, a step forward, or taking two steps forward and then a step back. Uh, he did all sorts of things that, that we would look to him and say, man, this, this, the life of this man is, is gritty, but, but it's honest, and we want to see from that and, and, and learn how we can move forward in our faith. Uh, he sought God at times. He sought other things at times, but inevitably... He always made his way back to God and he left an example of what it means to follow God in all of its messy glory. He moves forward in faith and for us today, what I want us to know is no matter where we're at in this walk, it's, it's possible to move forward in faith and, and it's expected that we would be nudged forward in our faith and as to not stagnate, as to not plateau, as to not hit pause or autopilot on our calling that God has for us. So as a quick recap... If Abram were at bat, he'd have two strikes against him. And we just met this guy last week. We've only read about, his story is only one chapter long so far. And he's already got things working against him. And, and, and he, hasn't, he's, he hasn't been that father of faith that we've grown to know yet. So he starts out with two strikes in this last chapter. And the first strike was this. And he was initial, when he was initially called, he was called out of his home to leave his family, to leave his home and to go to a place where God would show him. And when he, he did obey that calling. But it seems that he wanted to ensure success in his calling. So he brought some extra stuff from home. He obeyed the call to leave home. But he definitely brought home with him. Namely Lot. Who, who's going to be a lot of trouble later on. And, and we're going to see some, some drama with Lot as the story, as the narrative progresses. So, so while he obeyed the call to leave home, it seems as if he brought home with him in this new journey that he was on. His second strike was this. When famine hit in the land that God called him to be in, when famine hit, instead of trusting God's promise of blessing and provision, he runs away from his calling down into Egypt. So he's, he's there and famine hits and he's going, Hey God, uh, like you called me away from my home. You called me into blessing, and you promised you would provide for me, and we're getting pretty hungry out here, God. So to ensure success again for himself, he goes down to Egypt. I hear, I hear Egypt's got what we need. So he takes off down into Egypt, down into sin, to ensure provisions and blessings on his own accord, and not from where God promised him. Additionally, the icing on the cake now in this series of bad decisions, is that when he gets to Egypt, he tries to be smug and pass his wife off as his sister so that things will go well for him well in Egypt. So that things will go well for him well in Egypt. And, and, it, and it works. It works. He's, he's blessed with all kinds of stuff from Egypt, but that wasn't God's plan. And it just shows a, a big distrust on, on his part in, in what God was calling him to do. Because sometimes... When we, when we choose to, to run from our calling, it, it works out for us in the eyes of the world, right? When we go about getting things our own way, it, it sometimes works out for a little while. But ultimately, when we're outside of God's will and His purpose and the way He wants us to do it, it'll always end badly for us. We don't trust Him. So God promised Abram land, and He promised Abram lineage. And in one chapter, He 
He flees from the land God promised him to Egypt, and he tries to give away lineage, i.e. giving away his wife to Pharaoh for a time, um, because otherwise lineage wouldn't happen without that relationship, right? Uh, We see him forfeit these things, and, and the funny thing about me, the funny thing about Christians, us, is that oftentimes we will forfeit God's blessings and promises to chase after our own perceptions of what security is. We don't have big enough eyes to see all that God has for us. We lose patience with waiting on God. He's promised us good. We lose patience, so we try to take things into our our own hands. We try to do it our way. We try to ensure blessing. We're not patient. We try to rush the process with God so that we can get what he's promised us. And, and, And that doesn't work out all the time, does it? Our way, our time frame. So Abram in a way, has two strikes against him leading into chapter 13. And, and today, in, in what happens, I want to see, I want to look to see if, if, if he strikes out in faith or if he listens to God this time and follows God and, and does what God wants him to do. So Genesis 13, we're going to start in verse 1 and, and pick it up from there. So Abram went up from Egypt he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. So if you're following in the notes... I'd love for you to write this down or or to hear it. It says this, Following God's calling is less about the perfection of your life and more about the direction of your life. Here's what I mean by that. Abram, Abraham, like we already discussed, he, he, he wasn't perfect, but he listened to God more often than he didn't. So what we see here in chapter 12 is if you can remember back to, to chapter 12, he was called out by Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, why have you done this to me? He tricked him into thinking his wife was his sister. He goes, why have you done this thing to me? So sometimes, to get back on track, the Lord will use other people to to, to nudge us forward, right? In this case, it was Pharaoh. But sometimes the Lord will use other people in our life to kind of call us out, to kind of tell us, to spur us on to what the Lord would really have for us. In this case, it was Pharaoh. So when this happens, don't resist it, but get back on track. Get back to where you need to be. Let that conviction sink in and and, and get right with the Lord and and walk forward and move forward in your calling. And if the Lord might use you to reach a brother or a sister, don't be rude about it. Do so with grace and do so in in such a way that your friend really hears you and, and it spurs them to get back on track with the Lord. So in this case, Pharaoh calls out Abram and says, why have you done this? Why have you done this? And for whatever reason, this sparked a change in Abram to remember God's promise, to repent of sin, to return to trusting God. The Bible says in those those verses that Abram went back to where he originally built an altar and where he originally called on the Lord, and he went back to that spot where he was before, and it says that he called upon the name of the Lord again, and things seemingly went back to normal. He, He was back in the Lord's he remembered God's promise. He was back in the Lord, uh, back in the land. Excuse me. He was back with his family, and he was back to trusting God. 
Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, there's an angel that writes this letter to the Ephesian church. And, and here's what he um, says. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. In this passage, we see a church lose sight of the calling God gave them. They're urged to remember from where they fell to repent of walking in distrust and return to the works they were doing at first. An easy way to remember that passage is to remember, to repent, and to return. And and I think, though it wasn't by Abram's own um, initiation, he he remembered the promise of God. It was by Pharaoh's initiation, really, saying, what have you done? And Abraham, Abram remembers where God originally called him. He gets back to the land of Canaan. He returns to where he first called upon the name of the Lord, and he, he calls upon the name of the Lord. He turns his heart to God, and he seeks God, and things relatively return to normal. He returns back to the land, his family, and trusting God again. I would say that there are many of us in this room, many of us today, many of us Christians who are operating autonomously outside of God's will and calling, and, and in sin. That might be the case for us today. And I think the message the Lord would have for us is to simply trust Him again. Trust Him again. I, I think oftentimes we, we, we get off path and we think, oh man, there's, there's a, a process I have to go through to get back in, into right standing with the Lord. There's a process I need to, 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 I need to do these things. I need to um, not do these things in order for the Lord to like me again. And I need to just go through the, the, the process to get back in right standing with the Lord. And I think what the, the message God would have us today is, is to let Him pick us up, dust us off, and set us back on our feet in the right direction. This, this might mean letting go. Letting go of whatever it is that we're holding on to. If I can quote Pastor Nathan from last week, this is something that really resonated with me throughout the week. I, I wrote it down on a, on a little piece of paper during the sermon last week and, and kind of kept that with me. And it said this, When God calls us, He goes with us. And He expects that we'll cling to Him. In the call to go, we'll find the Lord peel our hands from the lesser things in order that we may cling to the greater. Read that again. When God calls us, He goes with us and expects that we'll cling to Him. In the call to go, we'll find the Lord peel our hands from the lesser things in order that we may cling to the greater. Is God Himself. That's awesome. And sometimes what it means to to get back on track, to get back moving forward in our calling, it means that whatever it is we were holding on to, like this, right? Clenched fist, closed fist, holding on. It's allowing the Lord to, to, to take that thing from us and, and to move forward. It, it, it's letting go of what's holding us back in, in progressing in faith with the Lord. I've been using the the phrase um, of Abraham striking out, right? Uh, But the cool thing about God is there there are no strikeouts. His grace is deeper than an ocean. And every time we mess it up, he loves us still. And he picks us up and he dusts us off. He sets us back on the right track, progressing forward, moving forward in our faith. Continue on, Genesis 13, verse 5. 
and Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. You're following in the notes. What I want us to see is this. Following God's calling means thinking differently about everything. Following God's calling means thinking differently about everything. After learning a valuable lesson in Egypt, Abram called on the name of the Lord, submitted himself to God, and let him change his mind about things. That's growing in faith, letting go of control and and allowing God to direct our paths. So we have this story here now where we we got through famine, we got through Egypt, and and now we're back in the land, and it doesn't take long before some drama stirs up in in the camp. And and that drama happens to be with his nephew Lot. And, And the problem is this. God promised Abraham this land. God promised him this land. And now all of a sudden... There's a fight breaking out between his nephew Lot and his people and Abraham and his people, and the fight is over the land, right? So, so instead of, so, so what's, what's Abram going to do is my question. Is he going to take matters into his own hands saying, no, God promised me land, Lot, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight you and, and do everything I can to ensure that I can myself take hold of God's promise again? Or is he going to let God decide what he should do? And, and that's really what he goes with here. Um, Romans 12.2 says this. You might be familiar with the passage. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Listen. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the next test of faith Abram encountered was with his nephew Lot. Fights broke out. How would Abram react? Will he lean on his own understanding? Will he fight Lot? Will he relinquish rights to the land? What will he do? This time, Abram chose peace. Abram trusted the Lord to sort things out. He didn't try to do it himself. He didn't seek the counsel of the world. He wasn't conformed to the world. Abram followed God even though he was unsure of what Lot was going to choose. So, so listen to this. This is, this is essential in, in, in seeing Abram's faith here. So God promised Abram at this point land, and he promised him lineage. They're in the land, and a fight breaks out in the land. So far, Sarai is not 
pregnant, so there's no lineage. There's no kids as numerous as the dust, the sand, the stars yet. That's, that, that part of the promise has yet to be realized. So the only part of the promise that is realized so far is, is the land. So here they are in the land, and the fight breaks out in the land. And, and Abram, what's he going to do about this? Because this is what God has promised him. So what he does is he goes, Lot, I'm going to let you choose. And, and, and by Abraham letting Lot choose is, is a huge sign of trust in God to sort things out. So Abraham says, Lot, if you go this way, I'm going to go this way. If you go this way, I'm going to go this way. So, so you choose. He's, he's changed by God. His, he's, he's renewed in the mind. He's trusting God. It says he called out on the Lord, and he trusts that whatever happens would be what God wants to happen. And that's tough because he had no idea what Lot was going to choose, right? He, he gave him free reign. Like, Lot, you choose. He, he knew the promise of God. He knew what God was promising him, but he had no idea what Lot was going to choose. So for us, what does that mean? That means when we're in a situation in life where we feel the Lord moving us in a certain direction, but we have no idea what the outcome is going to be, we can trust God. We can trust God that he's going to take us where he, he, he wants us to be if we're, if we're seeking him, if we're calling out to him, if we're asking to be in his will. Because Abram had no idea what Lot would choose. He said, Lot, you choose, and he trusted the result. He left the results in the hand of God to sort things out. When following our calling, we must make our decisions, trusting God to be our provider, trusting that if we're in his will, he'll take care of our needs. He'll take care of us. Because in the end, the result is this. Abram was exactly where God wanted him, while nephew Lot moved closer to sin. See, Lot made his decision based on, on what was advantageous for Lot. He, he said, oh, this is good agriculture over here. I'm going to do really, really well over here. It's green. It's lush. So he made an economic decision with Lot in mind, right? And additionally, he, it put him closer to Sodom and Gomorrah. It put him on the doorstep of sin. He set himself up for disaster, as we know the story continues on. While Abram contrasted, he, he, he let the Lord decide and it put him right where God wanted him to be. He made the decision that brought him closer to God. Listen, in, in our decision-making, it has to be informed by, by the will of God. It has to be what God wants us to do. Um, we have to let God inform our, the way we parent our kids, right? It, it's got to go through him first. We've got to let God inform the way we are as a spouse to our, 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 other, our spouses. Uh, we've got to let... God inform the, the kind of children we are to our siblings and our parents. You gotta let God inform who we are as an employee or an employer. Every everything we do, it, it means thinking differently about about everything we do in life. It's all gotta pass through how God wants us to be in those situations. We we must let God inform. Our, our decisions about everything. We must seek Him about everything. Genesis 13, uh, verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. 
For all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Uh, If you're following in the notes, the last point is this. Following God's calling means worshiping the promise giver and trusting his promises. So after not failing the test of faith with Lot, God reaffirms his covenant with Abram by reassuring him of his promises. God promises Abram land and lineage, and even after Abram's distrust, even after Abram's distrust, because Abram responded to God. Abram was willing. Abram was available. Abram believed God. Uh, I, I woke up this morning and I was reading this devotional that is sent out by the Alliance Church, the Christian Missionary Alliance, and it was just spot on, so I had to do a quick last-minute note in my in my sermon notes here, and it says this. It's from Hudson Taylor, and, and, and the quote is this. It says, God isn't looking for people of great faith, but for individuals ready to follow him. That's not to negate that it takes faith, but it's to say he's looking for people who are ready. He's looking for people who are available. He's looking for people who are, are willing to move forward in their calling. So we see this the story unfold with Abram. God comes to him, reaffirms his covenant with him. He, he reaffirms his promises to him. Abram is learning this trust with him. And Abram once again builds an altar to the Lord and makes his environment a place of worship. He worships God. So one of the things Abram's going to wrestle with, a little bit of foreshadowing, is the idea of trusting the promise giver and not the promise itself. We're going to see that with his son Isaac as, as it comes along. Spoiler alert. And at the end of the day, that's, that's really what it all comes down to, is this wrestle. Um, God's after your heart. God, God wants your heart. God wants your worship because it stems from a relationship with Him. We can talk about following God's calling all day long, but it's only going to make sense inside the context of first have, having already been changed by Jesus for what He did for us on the cross and having been renewed by Him. Does that make sense? So in conclusion, uh, when following God, following the calling that God places on our life, I want us to consider a couple things as we go from here. First is this, uh, when following God, He's more concerned about the direction of our life and not as much the perfection of our life. What we see from Abraham um, is, is that he's not perfect, right? But like I mentioned, he, he, he listens to God more often than he doesn't. He moves forward more often than he moves back. We're not perfect, um, but, but we want to be people that are progressing in our faith, moving forward in our faith. We want to be continuing on. Second is this. Uh, when following our calling, the way we think about everything changes with Jesus, right? We, we let God change our minds about things that we used to do autonomously from God. We let God change our minds away from um, ideologies that have been formed by the world saying, this is how you do this thing. This is how you a spouse. This is how you parent. And we say, no, 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 I want to do it the way God wants me to do it. Right? So, following God's call changes every the way we think about everything. It's not conforming to the world, but being transformed 
by the renewing of our mind. Lastly, following our calling all stems from an attitude of worship. It, it all stems from an attitude of worship. We, uh, Abram, he opens up building an altar, and, and that's where we see him end today. And, and I mean, in the service, we opened up with communion, and, and I want to talk about just Christ's call on our life and, and, and being close to him and being nudged in, in, in progressing with him. It all starts in a, in a place of relationship and a place of relationship with him. Otherwise, we risk following God for our own gain. Like we want the, the benefits of a relationship with God without the relationship with God. So our, our calling must come from a relationship because ultimately deep down he, he just he wants us. Right? He wants us more than anything. Now he, he wants to use us in the world. He wants to be uh, he wants us to be his hands and feet in the world, but 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 before that he just he wants us. He wants our heart, he wants to captivate us. So he died to save us, Christ did, he, he, to forgive our sins, to restore us. But he didn't just leave us to figure it out. He calls us forward. He, calls, he gives us a calling. It, it's, it's individual. It's, it's, we, we each have a calling of God on our life as we, as we pursue Christ. We're each called to do our part in the church, in the community, in the world. But ultimately, it's a, it's a life of purpose where each person follows their, their God-given calling. And, and the cool part about that is, like I mentioned earlier, God goes before us. He's with us. It's through the strength of His Spirit. So as we think about His calling on our life, uh, we may fall into a, a couple different categories. Maybe you're sitting here today and, 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 and you don't know Jesus, you don't know Christ, and, and, and to which I would say this. He's, he's, he's calling you to simply know Him. He's calling you to know Him. Or maybe you're here and, and your future's a little uncertain and you don't know where you're going in life, in which case He's calling you to, to pursue Him. He's calling you to think about what he might have you do in this world. Or, or maybe you've, you've pushed pause on your calling. Maybe you've, you've plateaued in faith. Maybe you've um, regressed. Maybe you've moved backwards a little bit in faith, in which case I, I think he's, he's, he's pushing the start button back on your life again and saying, hey, you're still breathing. You still have purpose, right? So, so wherever we're at today, God's calling so I'd like to invite the worship team back up. And I'd love for you to just, if you want, to bow your, bow your head and close your eyes. And, and we're going to pray, but before we pray, I'd love you to just think about these things for a second. Spend a moment of silence in, in, in prayer by yourself, and asking God, what, what are you calling me to do? Who are you calling me to do? God, we, we come before you with thanksgiving in our heart. Lord, we're thankful for your blessing, for your provision. Thankful that you've called us out of death and life. And, and God, like we sang, there, there are so many reasons for us to sing your praise. Bless your name. God, I pray that we would respond to you by, by, by doing, by being. By the strength of your spirit, leaning not on our own, allowing you to direct our, our God, I pray that you would nudge us forward this morning, a little bit closer to you. God, I pray that you 
just show us what areas in our life that we need to change if necessary, to step away from, to move forward in, that you would illuminate those places to us and, and that we would be the people. So go before us, God. We love you. We thank you. We're ultimately thankful that you love us, you've chosen us, you've called us. So be with us this week, I pray. In Jesus' name.